0: Come on, Yeba Zibwe, Amina. Can you say Amina? Oh, that was so weak. <laughs> say Amina. Amina. You now you gotta say it with a little, mm-hmm, a little passion, a little Texas flair, okay? Amina? Amina. Very good. We're waking you up. Praise the Lord. You know, we're saying, Hail the King, Hail the King, and we're gonna really wake this congregation up. No, what a joy it is to be with you. Uh, it is just awesome privilege to be here in Ken Ramsey's pulpit, to be here at Lakeside Bible Church. What a honor we always enjoy. This is like home to us uh, to be in this church. It is because my in laws are here, my my parents, Danielle's folks are here, and uh, and so if you don't know, Del and Vicky Seehusen, that those are our parents. And so it's uh, always an honor to be in this church where we feel at home. And uh, so many of you guys, a few of you guys actually have come on missions trips, and so it's great to tackle you guys uh, as I see you uh, coming in the door, and so what a joy. I just, we just got here yesterday. Uh, we tr- drove from Florida here. Uh, we've kind of done the, the, the United States tour, and uh, so we're on our way back to California, uh, but we got in here yesterday. So if I haven't said hello to you, it's not because I'm like, not wanting to, it's just because I just got here. Uh, and unfortunately we 'll be swinging out as quickly as we swing in, but to, our plan wasn't originally to stop here just because we, we stayed here a year and a half ago and kind of did the Texas tour but um, you know, but we couldn't help but resist the swing and just give some hugs here and Ken was gracious to allow me to into his pulpit so it 's a joy to to be here and to to, to be a part of this body. Thank you, guys. Many of you don't know that you guys support our ministry there in Uganda, but uh, we are so thankful. Uh, We really don't... We couldn't do what we do out there without you, and it's just an honor to have this church be a part of us there. Tonight, I'm going to share all about what we're doing in Uganda, and so uh, you have to come back tonight. How many of you are coming back tonight? Okay, let me see. Any losers that didn't raise their hand? Uh, no but we 're hoping all of you can come tonight like don 't let the temptations of like chilling in front of a movie come out tonight. We want to bless you we 've been through so many different little uh, experiences in Africa that uh, i want we wanted to share some of the lessons we 've learned and just kind of like Open history, hang out with the missionary night. you know it's kind usually that 's kind of nerdy, but we'll try and make it cool and, uh, and, and a lot of fun. My wife 's going to play the piano she 's written a bunch of different songs, and so we want her to share and just kind of enjoy fellowship. Is that cool? and uh, we 'll explain all that we 're doing in Uganda, hopefully get you guys encouraged. much of what we 've been through in Uganda are trials, so we 're convinced that many of you guys can find encouragement and things that we've gone through, and lessons we've learned as we've gone through life. Uh, missions is no different than life. Uh, it, it's all the journey to see our king one day, right? And uh, so, anyhow, please come tonight and be with us. In your bulletin, we gave like a little SOS thing. Uh, with that, mainly, it's got our website on it. If you guys have not signed up to get our updates, then uh, please make sure you don't leave today either going on our website or there's a paper in the back there where you can put your email addresses. So everybody say, I will sign up. Okay, all you do is sign up. We just want to encourage you in the Lord. My friends, we are about kingdom here. And we want to encourage you in kingdom work, as I want to do this morning with you. So please sign up there. We're not about asking for money. We're about encouraging you in the kingdom. If partnering with us is part of that, then then we praise the Lord and and would invite you to do that. Actually, we're around here in the States to try and fundraise for our ministry. You know, some people don't realize all that is involved in that, but I am a missionary that gets support for myself and then for the mission. And so none of that runs if we don't like dance around uh, the States here for a little while. So we invite you to join us in that. But I am here this morning to open the Word of God with you. And so uh, some people say, Shannon, when you preach, we all need to put our seatbelts on. I don't know if that's true, but uh, if that's the case, put your seatbelts on and let's get ready to open the Word of God together. Can I pray before we go? Can I? Yes. I can? Yes. Very good. Whether you want or not, I'm doing it anyways. Here we go. Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful for the joy and the privilege and the honor it is to stand behind a pulpit and proclaim your word to your people. Father, we consider it no small thing, but we realize that we are coming here based on your grace, based on your righteousness, based nothing on ourselves. We are no better than the person in the pew. All we are are sinners coming and proclaiming the voice of an eternal everlasting, supreme, sovereign God. And Lord, with that, you cannot help but fear yourself, fear your own inabilities, fear your own inadequacies. But we come asking and pleading and begging you to assist us in this process, not only as the speaker, but also as the hearers that we would in no way sit under the word of God and take it as a trite, trivial, minor event in the week, but rather we would be engaged on the edge of our seats, eager to hear what the king of the universe has to say to us. And Lord, we would come with our shoes on, ready for action, ready for involvement in walking in the truths that we are hearing from you this evening, this, this morning. So we ask you to guide us. We ask you to, to aid us. And Lord, may your spirit engage in our spirits and spur us to a greater love for you and your people. Aid us now, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen. <clears throat> I have had the privilege of uh, attending the master's college and seminary for three different degrees. That's out of California, totaling 11 years of education. Throughout those years, I've been bombarded with the philosophy of a high view of the church. I've been told of the church's importance. And despite such indoctrination, the concept of the high view of the church has always been a little bit mysterious to me. I've always jumped on the bandwagon. I've always enjoyed the cheerleading. But it's never really inflamed my passions. It's never really gripped my heart until more recently. And what I've come to understand is that the church is the greatest organization in the world. Amen? That the church is really the most prized possession of God. And I want us to see this. I want you to see what I couldn't see. I want you to understand and see the church from God's perspective. I think the problem I had was I was looking at the church from man's perspective. And when you look at the church from man's perspective, it can be pretty depressing because you see people aren't excited about church. You know, they just come, they go. You know, and it can be depressing. But when we look at the church from God's perspective, we are very quickly taken up that the church is the apple of God's eye. It really is the most important organization in the world. I've come to see that it is essential for every believer to have a high view of the church. I believe it is an evangelical essential which has been lost today. And it's been lost partly because of the fact that we are an individualistic world. Everything is about what? Me. It's not about community. In Africa, we live in a community. People go to church because they walk to the church, and that's the church around them. They don't get to choose whatever church they want to go on a given Sunday, they go to the church around them. They don't have cars. But in our society, if you don't like the church you go to, you just bail and go to a new one, right? And with that, we're not a community, we're not a a a, a, a bunch of, we're not a family, we've become individualistic, and with that, the view of the church has tanked. It's it's become low. But if we are going to be, see the church from God's perspective, we see it just the opposite. And that's what I want to do with you this morning. I want you to see that the church is essentially important. The church is invaluable. The church is as well the heart and soul of missions. I exist as a missionary to either build the church or strengthen the church. That's why I live. But again, the problem, I believe, is we have not seen the church from God's perspective. I want to take you to the heavenlies, and I want you to then see the church from God's viewpoint, okay? I want you to see the church from God's viewpoint. What I want to do is I want to give you four facts about the church this morning. How many? Four. Good. Well done. I like interacting with you because then I know you're not sleeping, and I don't like when people sleep during church. So uh, I'm going to help make sure you're awake so you interact with me and we'll just have fun that way, okay? I want to give you four facts about the church. But I want to ask you to not just go along and listen to a sermon like you always do and just leave. I want you to be, put your utmost attention in this. I want you to get out a piece of paper and a pen and take notes. Good girl. And, uh, and I want us to engage in this truth, because I think it is it should impact every single one of us here. This truth here should as well impact how we relate with one another. You see, for elders, if, if we don't see the church the way God sees it, then we will not fulfill our God-given responsibilities. We will take our title as elder, but we will not fulfill the responsibility as an elder. And my friends throughout the world you have elders taking on the role but not fulfilling the title, not fulfilling the responsibility. It's because they don't have a high view of the church. Not only that, but it's true for members. See, if we, have, if we don't have a high view of the church, if we don't see the church the way God sees it as members, we, will, we won't fulfill our God-given responsibilities. We will become members and will take comfort in belonging to an organization But we will never fulfill our roles, we will never fulfill our responsibilities that we have to that what? Organization. You have a role. So this message is important for us all to put in the center of our hearts. For the sake of God's glory and the sake of his church, I ask you to give utmost attention. Amen? Amen? Are you ready? Fact number Fact number 1. Here we go. The church. The church is the most important organization in the world because it is an organization built by God himself. It is an organization built by God himself. Open your Bibles if you would to Matthew chapter 16. Everybody open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I don't hear pages moving. Let's go. Matthew 16, a familiar passage to you, but we want to push the truths into your heart. Matthew 16, verse 18. It says along it says these words. I also say to you that you are. All failed. Here we go. Let's try that again. Verse 18, I say to you that you are... Peter. Come on, baby, right there. Uh-huh, you're the man. His dad's saying, oh, my goodness, I can't believe my son just did that." No. That you are Peter, and upon this rock I will... Build. I will... I will build my church. I, Jesus Christ, will build what? My church. Here we see very clearly that the church is an institution unique from every other organization because it is built by God himself. Amen? And the Bible says that nothing, not even the gates of hell, will prevent God from building this church. Friends, the church is not just any organization. It is not any institution. It is an institution built by God. We cannot say that God builds the pyramids in Egypt, we can't say that God builds London's uh, bridges. We can say that God builds the church. He takes an active role in the church. My friends, the sovereign, eternal God of the universe plays an intimate role in building an organization called the church. We look at organizations like Microsoft or Apple. And you know that you can't say one without the other, or you'll lose many friends. And we stand in awe of the CEOs of those organizations and we think, wow, those are great organizations. My friends, listen. The church CEO is God. How much greater of an organization does it make the church? And my friends, he has entrusted that to the role of elders, of pastors and elders. How big a privilege, responsibility, what a high calling But see, in our day and age, because we have such a low view of the church, we even think the role of a pastor is a wimp-chicken-baby position. But in reality, it is a high, glorious calling that sinners are privileged to take responsibility in. But my friends, listen, it's very clear we understand that God builds His church he is the one that lays every brick of his church. First Corinthians 12:18 says that God has placed the members each one of them into the body just as he desired. It is God taking each member and adding it where to the body. God takes an intimate role. First Corinthians 12:24 says that it is God is composing the body. It is God's masterpiece. It is God who saves. It is God who, who takes somebody from darkness and brings him into his light. It is God who causes man to be born again. It is God who adds people to his church. Listen, you guys here are a miracle. This is a miracle. Massive undertaking of God. He has taken each one of you from the world, from being bound in sin, and he has set you free and brought you into his church. A miracle. You are a special gathering. You are a special people. This is no small thing, but is amazing. My friends, you can't see this as any organization. You must see it as an organization crafted by the sovereign hand of God. We must see the church as God's masterpiece. Listen, throughout the history of the world, the world has never known the church. Throughout the history of the world, God worked through a people called Israel. And that those people were the ones through whom he was going to make his name known. But God has temporarily put them aside because he wanted a people from all nations, from all tribes, from all tongues. And he said, "Let me build my church. Let me build a, a people of all, of all nations." And that's what he's doing. And he's going to take, and and, and part of that master plan, he takes from here and from here and from here in Uganda, and he takes them and he gives them to God as a gift. This is God's master plan, his building, his doing, his orchestration. And if we are going to see the church from God's perspective, we must understand it is him who's building it. This is a special people, amen? Because you were here by God's grace. Second fact I want you to see is this. The church is the most important organization in the world because it is an organization which Christ loves and he has purchased with his own blood. Everybody turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Come on, husbands. Turn, turn, turn. Here we go. It starts off with your title. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 25, says these words. Husbands, love your... I think I only heard the girls. Let's go, guys. Here we go. Husbands, love your... Love your... Love your wives. I see the women kind of giving the elbow. Come on, ladies. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ what? Also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Friends... Not only does God build the church, but God purchases the church with his own life. Ephesians 5 reminds us that God doesn't merely love the church theoretically, but he loves it practically. He gives up his own life for it. Jesus gives himself to purchase and buy the church The church costs Christ everything. Listen, what institution, what organization in the world can we say cost Christ his life? Nothing. What greater cost could have been paid for the church? There is no greater cost. What organization does it, the the, the, Bible, what Jesus Christ died for other than the church? No organization. Look with me in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and you're familiar with this passage as well. I'm not telling you stuff that's old, I mean new. I'm telling you stuff that's old, and I'm reminding you of it, and hopefully putting it in your heart. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, is a message to the elders. And he says these words in verse 28. Be on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own, what? He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock from among Uh, your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Remember that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Friends, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen. Elders, I purchased a, a people. I purchased the church and I'm leaving them in your hands so be on guard watch out watch out why because i purchased them they are purchased by god himself you see the emphasis he's bringing is you better pay attention because god this is precious to god purchased by god therefore you must be alert you must be on guard see the urgency you see what drives drives the elders drives the overseers to pay attention because it belongs to god God paid his highest price for this people, the church. My friends, the reality is that Jesus Christ loves his church. Jesus Christ gave his own life. Jesus paid the highest price he can for his church. That's why he's always saying, listen, those who are in charge, you better take care of the flock. Remember what he says in Mark 9, 42, whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe to stumble, it would be better if, with what a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. Remember James 3, 1, he says, listen, if you're going to be a teacher, know that you're going to incur a stricter judgment because you are caretaking for God's most precious possession." Listen, God loves His church. I believe that if we, that all of the affairs of heaven are focused on one thing His church. That all the passions, all the focus is on the church, the church, the church, the church. God's church is God's most beloved possession. It's an institution purchased at the cost of his own blood. What an institution. What a possession that's precious. Now, so far, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing. So let me illustrate it for you. I, seven and a half years ago, left for a country called Uganda, Africa. I was in a good business... I left it because of the fact that I wanted to surrender my life to the Ugandan people. I wanted to establish an organization that would strengthen the church that is existing in Uganda. And so I, we've left it all that we could come here. We, we spend every day of our life, we eat, drink, think, SOS, minister in Uganda because we want to see those people strengthened for eternity, amen? Now you can imagine, I go and I spend my Little years in life investing in this organization, pouring everything I can, blood, sweat, and tears, right? And that's what we do. You can imagine me taking this organization then and entrusting it over to someone else to care for. Then five years they take that organization, they drive it into the ground, take all of the money out of it, and 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 with corruption just suck the thing dry. Can you imagine? What would you think of such a thing? You'd say, crazy, shameful. How could that ever be? You see, because there's an expectation. The expectation is this, friends, that if I surrender my life to an organization, that in return I expect those whom I entrusted to to do what? To surrender their life for the organization as well. And my friends, if Jesus Christ gave his life for the church, what does he want from us? What does he want? He wants us to surrender our lives to the church. He wants us to surrender everything we have to strengthen the church and see the church built and established. That is the heart of God. There was a day in which pastors were so committed, so devoted, that they'd go without food and they'd go without, but that day isn't there. There was a day when people were completely devoted to church, completely devoted to the fellowship. That's not there anymore because we've lost that urgency of the importance of this possession in which God calls his church. We don't surrender our lives to it. We have building programs, and it takes forever to to, to do these things because we're not committed that the church would go on in advance. We're more consumed with self. My friends, but when we look and see the heart of God, we realize he died for his church, and he loves this precious possession and demands a surrendered life to it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says this, a fascinating passage. Ephesians 1, 22, thank you for turning, says this And he, God, the Father, put all things in subjection under his feet, that is, Jesus Christ's feet. And he gave him, that is Jesus Christ, as head over all things. He became the king, and he gives him the head over all things, and he gives him to the church. Here the father gives the son to the church. His most beloved, the supreme king, lord, master, and he gives him to the church. This concept is unimaginable. That the father would give his most precious possession, his son, to a sinful community is unthinkable. But that's what happened. Why? Because the church is beloved by God. I didn't do well in school in economics class, but there's one principle that's clear in economics. The principle is this, that the value of an object is determined by the price one is willing to pay for that object. Let me explain what I mean. In Uganda, you can, when time, it's time to get married, you go to the husband and you buy a wife, if you will. And so it's called a dowry. That's what the dowry is. You're buying that wife and she becomes yours and the, the, the commodity of your family that purchased that woman. So imagine someone coming to my, my home and wanting to purchase my daughter, Emma. And uh, some guy comes up and says, hey, I, wanna, I want to marry your daughter. Can I buy her from you? And I said, okay. Don't think about it, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> I say, okay, yeah. And he says, well, how much is she? And I say, okay, well, she's $5. The guy would look at me and say, Way of saying it. What's wrong with her? <laughs> right? Five dollars. I mean, something's got to be wrong with her. I mean, she must not be valuable, or he's trying to get rid of her, or something. Does she have a disease? But if I said, "Hey, you want to buy her? <laughs> you want to buy Emma?" Ah, okay. It's five giraffes, three zebras, two donkeys, and a and a lion. Yeah, I don't know. He would say, wow, she's what? Invaluable. You see, her worth is determined by the what someone is willing to pay for her. And again, in God's economy, in God's economics, what was he willing to pay for the church? He was willing to pay everything. He was willing to pay the ultimate price of his own son. So in the mind of God, listen, in the mind of God, and therefore it must become in our minds, the church is the most important, precious possession of the Godhead. This is a massively important Institution. If we're to see the church from God's eyes, we must understand that there was nothing more precious to him than his church. Amen? Third fact. Third fact about the church is that the church is the most important organization in the world because it is intimately connected or united to Jesus Christ. It is intimately connected or united to Jesus Christ. There's two images that the Bible continuously uses of the church that make this very clear. The first image is that the church is a household of God. In 1 Timothy 3:15, the church is referred to as a household of God. In Ephesians 2:19, it says that we are fellow citizens with Christ. We are God's household. My friends, to be part of God's church is to be part of a people that are so intimately united to Christ that you are seen, perceived, you are valued as being part of God's family. That's why God calls us sons and daughters, that's why God says that we are his father. That he is our father, because we are part of this family. There is such an intimacy between he and us that we are part of a family. There is such an intimacy between one another that we are actually brothers and. Sisters, we are what? Brothers and what? Sisters. And that's not a Michael Jackson song. We are brothers, we are sisters. No, this is the real deal. We're considered family. Church is filled with children which belong to God Himself. That's why the Bible is always talking about being careful how you treat each other because you're messing with God's household. You're messing with God's family. There's a second image that the Bible uses other than household. It's this image uh, that we are Christ's body. Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 makes this point very clear when it says, now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. Ephesians 1, and 23 says that God gave his son to the ch- Jesus Christ to the church, which is his body. Ephesians 5, 30 says, we are members of his body. What in the world does he mean we're his body? Listen, this metaphor is is illustrating or emphasizing the intimate unity that each member has to one another and to Jesus Christ. From a spiritual standpoint, a believer is so intimately connected to Christ that he is Christ. He is part of Christ. Friends, I want you to see this because this will change your perspective of how you view each other. Listen. Listen. That person next to you is Christ in terms of the body. Listen to these words which haunted the Apostle Paul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting what? When did Paul persecute Christ? When he persecuted what? The church. You see, the way you treat the church is the way you treat Christ. Why? Because of the intimacy that they share. How important is the church? It's Christ! Can there be anything more important? Can there be anything more valuable? Listen, it would haunted the Apostle Paul that he persecuted the church. I believe part of the zeal of his life was the fact that if, if the church is Christ, then I must surrender my life to the people. That's why he would say day and night with tears for three years, I surrendered my life to the people. I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the souls of men. Why? It was the church. I encourage myself all the time, in the midst of all the travels and all that we do to, to help strengthen the church. it's for Christ, it's for Christ, it's for Christ. It's not in vain. It's the church that we're dying for. Amen? Friends, listen. The church is Christ's most precious possession. Because it's Him. It's part of Him. You see, how you treat the church is how you treat Jesus Christ Himself. How you, when you, how you, how you neglect one another is neglecting Christ. When you, when you don't care for each other, you're not caring for Christ. When you divide each other, you're dividing Christ. When you persecute, when you gossip against each other, you're dividing Christ, you're gossiping against Christ. How you treat each other is how you treat Jesus Christ. Friends, you want to say, I love Jesus. How many love Jesus? How many? Do you really? Well, listen. You want to love Jesus? Then love your friend. Love your fellow believer because to love Christ is to love each other. When someone is hurting, when my buddy Brandon's hurting, I want to run there because he is part of the church. But you see, our love for Christ is shown and expressed in our love for each other. Isn't that what Jesus said? In Matthew 25 verse 40 says the king will answer and say unto them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brethren of mine, even the least of them you did it what? Under what? Practical. You want to love Christ? Love each other. Isn't that what Jesus said to Peter in John 21? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. To love Christ is to feed those who love Christ. You see, this is practical expressions of love for Christ through loving each other. See, if we're to see the church through God's eyes, we will see the church as Christ himself. We will see the church as Christ what? Himself. You see, to neglect each other, to not care for each other, is to neglect Christ himself. But to run and love and to care and to, to engage each other and to help each other through trials and, and struggles is to help what? Is to love Christ. The fourth fact about the church is this. The church is the most important organization in the world because it is continuously nourished and cherished by God himself. It is continuously nourished and cherished by God himself Ephesians 5:29 says this For no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does what Hello just as Christ also does what the church What does God do for the church He cherishes it, and he what? Nourishes it. Friends, let me tell you something amazing. What's amazing is the sovereign, eternal king is in heaven playing an active role in his church. Playing an active role in caring for his church. Let me show you one practical thing in the life of Lakeside. You guys just gave up Adam Tyson to go to California But look, you have a Blakey. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) You have a Blakey who God provided. Why? Because he cares for Lakeside. And I tell you, I think Blakey is going to do some incredible things with that youth. And youth, you guys get ready to rock and roll for Christ. You know, the youth group here has just been too little bit lethargic you guys need to get fired up and start living out your youthfulness and expressions of passionate Christianity. Amen? But God has provided Blakey, and I know his heart for the Lord. That's God's care, God's nourishment. That's his, 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 his continual care of you guys. And God plays that active role even today. We know that God intimately knows and leads his church. We know that God protects his church. We know that God actively prunes his church. God is playing an active role in his church. Friends, if we are to see the church the way God sees it, we must understand God is playing an active role in cherishing and nourishing it. Friends, what can we say about the church other than the fact that it is the most important institution in the world. For such sacrifice, such attention, such care, such involvement to be given by the supreme God, the king, the creator of the universe, clearly shows that the church must be of paramount importance to all of us. And not only that, but how should these truths impact our lives, it should do one thing. It should cause all of us to surrender our life for the church. Amen? Friends, listen. We need to stop leaving ministry up to others, and we need to disciple people in this church body. Men, rise up. Men, rise up. Disciple! Disciple people here. Disciple young people. Get involved. We need to begin to fund whatever needs to be funded to make these things happen so that the church is vibrant and strong and and serious. See, these truths should cause elders to die for the church, to surrender their lives to the church, to fulfill their God-given callings. They need to lead the church. They need to manage the church. They need to restore the church from sin. They need to leave exemplary. They need to teach the church. They need to voluntarily shepherd the church. They need to protect the church. And they must pray for the church. And if we have a high view of God, we will be committed to that end. But not only that, but they must cause every member here to die for the church as well. They must surrender their lives to achieving their God-given responsibilities. You have a responsibility as a member of this church to God and to one another. You must faithfully attend. You must love and encourage each other. You cannot come to his church, come in and go out without hugging and loving and embracing both the new and the visitor and the old. We must engage in loving encouragement of, of our members. We must faithfully use our spiritual gifts to mature this body. You have a gift. Use it. Not only that, but we need to give faithfully to this church. I realize that that this may have money, and so you think, oh, I can give it otherwise. I can use it more myself. Listen, that's not your thing. The elders will use the money faithfully. You give because that's your faithful biblical responsibility. You must confront unbiblical, sinful practices and others with a desire for restoration. You must faithfully practice church, I mean, Christian disciplines that you have something to give and you're vibrant in this body. You must faithfully disciple the unbelieving world. You must believe and proclaim biblical theology and promote it among one another. Lastly, you must faithfully submit under the biblical loving leadership of your local elders. That is your job. That is your obligation. Listen, when you divide from your elders, when you say, I won't submit, you take an army with you, and my friend, God won't see that well. But that's what happens. Listen, it's not your church, it's God's. And God has put people over and so we just submit under the leadership of the elders. Friends, this is the greatest organization in the world. It is It's the greatest organization in the world. And my prayer is that Lakeside Bible Church will become such a light in this community. It's so so vibrant. But we must understand that the church is the greatest organization in the world, and we must be committed to it. Let's pray. Father, in all of your word, so thankful. For your church. Lord, why did you build a church and allow us to be a part of it? Father, my heart hurts for those that have come to this church even today wanting to be loved hurting from sin's scars wanting to be loved and nobody's hugged them nobody's reached out to them Father, I want to pray for those people even here now. Lord, that they wouldn't look to others for that love, that they would look to you. But Father, I pray too that this church would rise up and that people would be ministers of love, reaching out, being your hands and your feet to the world around them, being you to the world. Father, we pray. In accordance with Paul, the Apostle Paul, who said now to him who is able to do far more abundant beyond all that we ask and think, according to the power that works within us to him, that is to you, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, we pray. Amen.